Hey folks, my name is Donovan James. I'm hosting a podcast called The Endless In Between, based off my book of the same name. While I was reflecting upon the themes and stories, I wondered how they would intersect with the artists, creatives, and healers that I've admired for so long. Listen as I explore their experiences and everything in between. I hope you enjoy. Hey folks, today's guest is Belair from Baltimore, Maryland. I had the pleasure of working with them while I lived in the city, and every time I get to reconnect with them, it's just so much fun and evokes just a feeling of joy and happiness when I'm with them. Belair is a creative, intuitive, and radical healer. Belair has worked at the intersections of health equity and justice movement for the past decade and seeks queer, trans, and people of color liberation using tarot storytelling and movement to ignite our power and purpose. I really had fun doing this interview with them, which was recorded in mid-February, so you'll hear some references to Valentine's Day on my end, but I hope that y'all really enjoyed today's episode. Welcome. Thank you for creating and holding space with me today. I'm so happy that you're here with us. Um, when I was thinking about my book and in particular um, a poem called Intersections, like you were the first person that came to mind for me, you are a Black queer activist, a community organizer and healer, and someone that I just look up to so much. And a question that uh, came up for me was, when did your passion for social equity work start? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think um, uh, started when I was pretty young, I think. Um, I've kind of always been someone that's kind of been a pretty quiet and like like kind of watchful force and just like really kind of paying attention to like my surroundings and trying to pick up areas and places that like I just felt um, like folks weren't being like honored and respected for who they were, right? Um, and figuring out like, I'm mad, I'm sad. Like uh, folks are doing the same thing to me. Like I do not want this to happen to other people, right? How do I change that? What does that look like? Um, and uh, so I can remember like <clears throat> in high school, like 
um, doing mentorship um, with younger people. So I was doing like young youth mentorship um, work um, when I was a lot younger um, in college doing like LGBTQ organizing after I came out and trying to find community and find my voice and figure out where I fit in social equity, social justice work. Yeah, just like, it's kind of always been about this like searching for um, and commitment to a world that's that deserves us and is like actually better than the one that we currently have to ensure that like the folks that come behind us like don't have it as hard. They have some ease, right? Um, around race, around sexual orientation, around gender, around class, around size, around ability, just all the all the things. Um, so yeah, it's just trying to yeah figure out what that looked like. And then I think conversations with people actually over the course of my life kind of led me on the path that I took. When you navigate your daily life, uh, how do your intersecting identities show up? Yeah, um, I think they show up, um, they are uh, critical to who I am and I wear them as a badge of honor and pride and love. Um, and I think it's really important to name that because we're taught from such a young age to that some of our identities actually are not valuable and not seen as important and not seen as worthy. Um, and I can think of um, that being true for my queerness um, growing up. I can think of that being true for my blackness growing up. I can think of that being true for um, yeah, just like my, my feminist and like the way that I wanted to differentiate my gender. Um, yeah, so I think in the way that they show up today, um, they are kind of intersecting all the time. So really trying to name in spaces that I'm in, right? Like in conversations, like making sure that we're talking about um, folks who aren't often talked about, right? Like black, queer and trans folks. Um, acknowledging maybe the places that I might have privilege and do have privilege and trying to like recognize ways to make space and make room for other voices too, right? So thinking about trans folks, um, thinking about um, uh, native folks, right? Um, folks who maybe English isn't their first language. Um, and so um, really wanting to and trying to like embody <laughs> all of my identities fully, mm. um, both in my voice, um, conversations and stuff and also just like in and um uh my presence my activism my um yeah my home my uh just I think like in all the spaces yeah just wanting to make sure to to, to, to name and to show up in that way are there certain identities or parts of yourself I should say that are more prominent now for you that maybe you held back like in your younger self? Yeah, I think um, uh, definitely my queerness um, held that back pretty hard. I got really clear examples that that was like not okay. To, you know, seeing like a, I went to private school um, in Baltimore and uh, one of the guys I went to school with was just like actively harassed and bullied. Um, very, very deeply and like left school after my six months. Um, and so, and, and folks, the, the words they were using for him were right, gay, um, slang words, um, hurtful words. Um, so queerness was something I hid really um, deeply. Um, gender, 
was something I tried to hide pretty deeply too. I think um, I've had like role models I've looked up to for a long time that like really played with what gender could be um, and how to show that. And uh, uh, yeah, didn't have space to really express that. Saw it as like really scary and, 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 and not okay to do. And so I hit that pretty hard too. And actually, I think like I'm actively like naming myself, I think a little bit more to like um, be like a witch and be kind of like an intuitive kind of like healer, right? And I, I think those that. are, yeah. And those are identities I definitely held back to. Um, and I was reading some journals recently and I'm like, oh my God, I was like, there was just like things that were happening from a very young age and just like was not really aware of them. Uh, like growing up in a household where um, uh, Christianity was kind of the, the primary thing, not not deep, deep into it, but it was mm. just, a, just a theme. Um, also learned really quickly to not talk about like that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and so, um, so yeah, those are probably the three identities I held back most growing up. Something that resonated with me was you spoke about uh, being femme and that's something that for me, uh, for folks listening, is <laughs> probably ob obvious. Um, or through what I wore or through my voice and mannerisms. So I'm wondering how how being femme has helped you become a better version of yourself. Mm. Mm. It has brought me, I think it's brought me home um, to myself in so many words. It is quite strange to think of who Baby Blair was without like this feminist kind of being really deeply like integrated in, into to their life. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I've like, I've gone through like, like uh, I feel like I've been coming out for the past like 15 years at various stages, right? <laughs> and so like, um, you know, gay, queer, started wearing skirts and heels, doing makeup stuff, changed my name, like doing all of these um, things to get closer and closer to, to, the, to the person that I am. And so um, for me, feminist brings me strength. Um, it brings me like confidence. Oftentimes, like the clothing that I choose to wear is, 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 it feels like it has superpowers. It like gives me armor. Like it, it just like um, gets me through. And allows me also like this, I think, really um, powerful, uh, perceptive way to navigate space and to and to see and see truth in folks and hold truth with folks. I think in a, um, I don't know, in just a deeper way. It just, I don't know. It's 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 quarter who I am. So yeah, it just allows me to be me more. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I really. I'm thinking about recently I was looking through old pictures of myself uh, from when I was, I think I was in the eighth grade and I'm seeing what I'm wearing and it's like this brown checkered button up with like some dickies 
pants that are oversized <laughs> and like just some like vans and like I'm looking at the picture and it's like I don't even like recognize that person totally and I and I think even back then there was such like a yearning for me to become something more look a certain way that wasn't stereotypically what boys are supposed to wear right yeah um so I think again like a lot of what you said resonated with me because for myself like in high school I feel like I was so much braver than I probably even am now just like <laughs> in like I would wear like late leggings in high school and yeah and, and like similar to you like I get called names or whatever but I would just like walk on by and not let it get to me and I just think like even owning that because as a kid like that was something that I was told like I shouldn't wear my mom's high heels or I shouldn't play with Barbie dolls so it's just there was just always something in me from like being a kid to being a teenager that I was always just like I'm gonna just go against this. So I think for mm -hmm. me, part of being femme is like going against like expectations too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. Yeah, it's a, it's a fuck you to, to, to everything, yeah. right? Um, and and uh, and it's uh, it's it's liberatory, and also um, it's a portal for people to question themselves and their and, and and why they're showing up in certain ways or maybe even portals to like access for other folks mm -hmm. to access their own like feminist or like navigation of gender and, and stuff like that right like I I think I always took one step further into into who I am after like seeing someone or hearing someone speak and like being like so like my body like waking up even more right and I think it's just a really important um that's it's area that representation I think is like critically important um and yeah being seen is really important yeah well I'm wondering for you like with the gay community specifically um I've noticed that going into the spaces growing up people tended to look a certain way or were attracted to a certain type of person, white gay male, um, in my experience. Mm -hmm. um, that's all I really saw. And the one thing that I feel continually challenged by is this idea that really, that's, in my opinion, is informed by uh, sexism and misogyny and femphobia of like, I only want to date like a masculine man mm -hmm. or someone that's mask presenting. Um, so I'm wondering like, how can we as like the gay community, like not only acknowledge, cause I think the acknowledgement is where it all starts. <laughs> so how can we get to that acknowledgement? But then once we acknowledge that like, move past like these boxes that we that we put ourselves in yeah um 
Yeah, the acknowledgement is a key first step. And it and it takes like a uh I don't know, just like it 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 takes like the kind of like personal work and interrogation and like shadow work and like really digging up like where is that shit rooted, right? Like why like really understanding like why the attraction, why the pull is toward like this like hyper masculinity, right? Um, and and this presentation in a way, of course, we all know sexism, like femme phobia, like the heterosis patriarchy, like shows us these images that like, you know, are seen as like most valuable and most like attractive. And so that's what folks gravitate toward. Um, we have to start asking those questions and be comfortable with like, um, be comfortable with, with getting answers that feel uncomfortable and, and recognize that we're all hurt by these systems, right? Every single one of us. And so, um, you know, to the point where uh, like a dude taking care of himself is seen as like not okay, like in, in, or, or could be shamed in some way, um, which when you turn it, when you talk about it and it's like, it's like, what? Like, just cause like that makes zero sense, but that's um, seen as problematic or seen as uh, uh, too effeminate, right? Uh, and so, uh, and again, equalize, making that seem like something is negative. <laughs> so like equalizing that with something that um, isn't okay. And so, yeah, I think the acknowledgement piece is really big. And then, yeah, uh, that's definitely the only way we're gonna be able to get past it is by getting to the root of it and having really honest conversations. Um, and, um, uh, and really, it's like the work of the gay community, specifically uh, folks that might be more mask presenting, might have more power and privilege in that space, might be like white folks, right? Um, just folks in that space to really like hold these conversations and to be having them with their peers and really be able to dig in and build trust and support. Um, so that way, um, folks can just be more free, like, and just not have to yeah, folks can just be more free. Like I promise it's so much freer on the other side, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think some of that, maybe, definitely. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that. Uh, I wanted to actually dig into a little bit about your work with Carol and how that came mm -hmm to be for you. Yeah. Yeah, so um, before this recording started, uh, Donna, we were talking about Saturn Return. Uh, and so that was a Saturn Return like opening for me in a lot of ways. Um, so for folks who don't know, um, uh, Saturn Return, astrologically speaking, is this period of your life, um, uh, typically between the ages of 27 and 30, um, when Saturn returns to your chart. Um, and it happens about every 30 years, happens again, 57 to 60, um, 87 to 90. And there are these moments that are just like, it's, it's, it, they're like foundational shift moments, right? You're kind of like coming into like a new version of yourself, reckoning with what it means to be an adult, reckoning what it means to um, be an elder, reckoning with what it means to really face your mortality. Um, and usually there are periods where shit goes upside down and like just things 
terrible things feel like they're happening to you at all times. And it's that, just like, it's like that. someone just like shook all of your shit up and you're just like, what is happening? Um, and, uh, and in all of that, there is so many lessons that we get from those experiences. And we really like blossom into like the next version of ourselves as we make it through this process. Um, and so uh, in my Saturn return, um, uh, was marked with uh, being in like a, a relationship, um, being engaged, having bought a house, having a dog, uh, and all of those things, um, all of those things ending um, uh, pretty abruptly. So like not actually kind of like a reckoning with like what it meant to just, yeah, have like this love and this life that I thought I would have for myself start to fall apart. Mm. And it was my one of the mentors that I loved so deeply passed away. Um, and I started to question like who I was and where I was going and uh, job change stuff happening. It just felt like everything was crumbling in lots of ways. And in, and in, the, and in the crumbling, there was um, like a return to like kind of what, who I was and like what I was interested in when I was younger, right? And so like post relationship, I realized, whoa, I need to like, I don't think I focused on myself in like four years. I need to like really figure out like, who am I? How do I like love myself more? Like what, 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 what excites me? What brings me joy? Mm. Um, and through that uh, kind of came back to like, uh, yeah, just like, like witchy stuff and like really started to get into like candles and crystals and like having conversations with like artists that would take me on long hikes and we talk about like I don't know just like the earth and the stars and just like having like this pretty powerful just like return to just um yeah just thinking about things in this like really beautiful poetic way uh and I was living I moved into a house um with uh two other folks um uh queer folks of color um and they were both artists. It was a beautiful space. We were holding like healing practices together in the house, talking about magic, all the things. And um, uh, tarot was something I was really interested in and decided I was gonna like buy a deck uh, and teach it to myself. And so uh, that was, I guess maybe like six or seven years ago. Um, and yeah, I've been like, it's been like a huge part of my life actually ever since. Um, yeah, it's been pretty powerful, like as a, as a pathway for my own healing and other healing too. For those who may have a limited knowledge of what tarot is, like, could you explain that? Yeah, so um, some folks, um, so tarot, a uh, series of cards, it's a deck of cards um, uh, that uh, has different images on them. Um, and uh, some folks will root it back to um, uh, Europe, Italy is kind of like where um, they really originated. Some of the concepts of the cards actually came from as far as like Egypt, like um, and kind of other spaces. Uh, but tarot, it's it's a, a tool um, for. Um, so I think different people will actually describe tarot differently. The way that I describe tarot is that it is simply a tool using art and storytelling um, to be able to um, provide some awareness and guidance to something that's going on, right? Oftentimes we already have the answers. We already kind of know 
are truths and sometimes they're like just a little bit hard to like confront and to like sit with and to name. Uh, and so what Tara does is it just provides a pathway to a conversation but to, with someone else and also with yourself about um, a thing that's going on for you, a point of transition, a challenge, a struggle, a hope, right? Um, and uh, I think really good tarot readers will be able to really like hold space and like sit with you and like kind of take you on a journey. Um, you'll be telling a story, like we'll be interpreting the cards together and it hopefully will bring a little bit of like illumination and light and, and support um, to you on your path. Um, and the cards will either largely tell you you're doing great, you're loved, keep doing your thing. Or they'll tell you that some change has to happen, there has to be some letting go, there has to be some um, a grieving maybe in some way to be able to like blossom into like the self that you're meant to be. And so tarot is just a, I think it's a, a yeah, it's that, it's, it's a guide for us. Thank you for that. Wow. So I know that you actually have like a tarot business, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like can you speak about how you got started in that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so um, yeah, I was practicing tarot, doing it for myself, doing it for my friends, um, uh, and uh, in deep study and getting like pretty good at it, uh, which I felt really good about. And um, as I was doing it, I really honestly do see it as a healing practice. I see it as something that um, there are many healing practices. I think folks should like engage in as many of them as they can, right? Like mental health, like going to the doctor, like maybe going to a tarot reading, doing some yoga, like, you know, just all the things that like help to, to get you to, to your healing space. Um, but that was one that I was finding a lot of like power in. And so I wanted to like do more of it and wanted to do it for other people. Uh, and so, um, yeah, worked with a friend to design a logo and like built a website around it and decided to like, kind of like low key, just advertise it to people. Um, I leave like business cards in various spaces um, and uh, started getting like invited locally to like do some readings at some like, um, uh, like young adult conference spaces and to um, like come to different um, uh, like business bazaars and stuff and like do tarot readings and uh, yeah, yeah, it's been like, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's been like really energizing um, and lovely and now shifting into COVID and doing it remotely. That is I, like, it was really strange. Like I never thought that that would be a space and it would actually work. I'm like, no, you have to like see the person, you have to be in the same space, you have to touch the cards, you have to like, it's really all about that connection. And surprisingly the internet, we're currently on Zoom right now and like having a conversation and there is still like energy and connection moving between us and, you know, and so, yeah, that shit can happen there too. Uh, and so it's been, it's been cool to, to, to lean into that um, and still find the same level of like uh, commitment to the practice and, um, and engagement and, and yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been good. So yeah, I have a website folks and I'm in the process of doing some changing and stuff to it, but it is around. AlightBaltimore.com is the website. Uh, a light meaning um, to be on fire, to ignite, and the intention is to be able to, to yeah, illuminate stuff for folks and ignite the world with your power and purpose through tarot. Yes, oh, that sounds wonderful. I wanted to talk about 
maybe some like influences that you had growing up um like in my in my poem uh i mentioned how james baldwin was someone i really delved into while i was living in baltimore mm -hmm. um so i'm wondering who are some black and queer folks that have like inspired you in your life yeah, totally. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so um, thinking about my youngest days, and this person does not identify as queer, um, uh, but I claim him. Uh, Prince was just a huge part of um, me, again, like, seeing a space where it was okay to, like, rethink gender and to show up um, in ways that maybe um, weren't seen as okay, but lots of folks found sexy for some reason. And I was like, oh wait, great, good. They find it sexy. That means I can do it too. Like I could also be sexy, right? And so like, it just like opened up this even that, it opened up the possibility of a me, I think when I was like very young. Um, and then I think as I was like growing up and stuff, of course there are like local folks in Baltimore who I like look up to like hard. Um, um, one of my old bosses and friends, Jamal Haley, was like a huge influence on my life and just really um, huge, huge advocate and supporter. Um, went to this conference, um, uh, the Creating Change Conference uh, for like almost annually um, for a while and um, got to hear this woman, um, Cece McDonald talk, um, black trans woman um, who um, uh, I believe is, um, like Michigan, Wisconsin, kind of like somewhere up in that area. And she ended up being arrested um, for um, uh, just defending herself um, in the city uh, and was locked up. And like advocates were like rallying around her, supporting her, trying to get her out of jail. Um, she was put in um, uh, a men's um, jail. And while folks were trying to get her transferred to a woman's jail, she was like, yeah, I get that. But I also like think that maybe prisons shouldn't exist, period, also. So can we also just like talk about like that at the same time as we're talking about this other stuff? And so just like her naming like like abolition while she was like in in the jail that was like not meant for her, I think was just like a like a like a mind blow for me and like thinking just about like her dreaming about the world that she wanted to live in and wanted to, to create, I think was really powerful. Um, Adrian Marie Brown, uh, who is like incredible. Uh, Emergent Strategy is a book that she wrote. It's like my, my biblical text in lots of ways. Um, and Pleasure Activism, uh, folks should follow her. She also is like a huge influence and, and um, yeah, someone I deeply look up to. So. so you were born and raised in Baltimore. Um, I feel like it's one of the most like underappreciated and misunderstood cities. Um is growing up there like in influence like who you are um as a child towards adulthood. Yeah. Um yeah, I fucking love Baltimore. <laughs> like it is um it is it's home uh and yeah it's got like i mean just so much power um and so much um 
presence and like love in it um, that folks just like don't see or or allow themselves to see often um, Mm -hmm. to the point where I think, you know, I grew up here, um, I'm still here, um, most of my family um, either moved to Pennsylvania um, or moved to North Carolina back down south. I'm like the only one still here. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I'm like still very committed to it. Um, I think it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's deeply powerful. Um, and yeah, uh, and especially I think the black queer and trans folks here that are like living and doing work um, are doing like revolutionary work. Um, and, and it's also, it's a space where, you know, Hopkins, like, there's a lot uh, and has a deep um, mess of history. And um, the medical institutions that we have in the city actually have, like, made, created space for trans folks and folks that are seeking, like, gender affirmation surgery to, like, come to the city and, like, get the support they need to be able to do that, be on that journey, right? And so, like, there is, there is, like, a, there's a pretty, pretty incredible presence here. Yeah. That's, that's big and hard at times too. Sometimes very, very hard, um, but also really, really powerful. And in, in the way that I can see, I've been to Oakland and I see Baltimore and Oakland. I've been to, I was like lucky enough to like go to like Nairobi and Kenya. And I saw like Baltimore all up and through Nairobi. Mm. Like it's just like this energy of it. Um, I see in other spaces and it just makes me, makes me happy. It makes me feel like home. So I know you're talking about a lot of Black queer people doing the work um, and organizing. What are some organizations that folks um, could support um, in all of the wonderful work that they're doing there? Yeah. Um, So I think um, uh, Baltimore Safe Haven is probably... um, it's definitely one that folks should look into. Uh, um, Aya Damons is their executive director, uh, incredible um, black trans woman who um, really built it from the ground up over the last two years maybe. And was catalyzed by a lot of things, um, but uh, especially um, the death of um, trans woman Brittany, um, who um, a lot of community knew here in Baltimore. Uh, and so um, Baltimore Safe Haven is a drop-in center uh, for um, uh, folks that need access to safe space, um, particularly focusing on trans folks and sex workers. Um, and so um, uh, they're doing all kinds of stuff out of the space, harm reduction support, um, doing like traditional housing for people, um, food, clothing, um, community, um, healthcare access, just all kinds of stuff. And, and again, really centering um, Black trans people. So that's a really dope space. Um, uh, another um, uh, would be, I think, the Rooted Collective. And so I'm actually, I'm disclosure, I'm a member of the Rooted Collective, but it's a um, collective of uh, Black and trans folks trying to, working to create more healing spaces in the city, in particular for Black and trans people. And uh, with the goal of seeing like, um, uh, love as resistance um, and really wanting to catalyze that uh, wherever we can uh, and ultimately have a festival where we can have all kinds of practitioners and activists and organizers and um, 
dancers and dreamers and you know just like just come in and just like um share space and, and skill share um with each other uh and so we've been doing some stuff online so uh i do tarot readings actually seasonally there as well which has been really fun to do so yeah check out the rooted collective also they're doing pretty great work thank you are there any like upcoming or current projects that you're a part of yeah, I am. So I'm revamping my website. I guess that's that's a project, I guess. Um, so there'll be more stuff on there soon. But um, uh, the Uprooted Festival, should I talk about it yet? I don't know. Rooted is, the Rooted Collective is working on a thing, uh, like a potential hybrid uh, festival uh, in person and remote, recognizing where we are with COVID. And that might happen over the summer. So we're doing some initial planning around that. And uh, with my website piece, I think I've been just really interested in like, I've been thinking about kind of other healing modalities and stuff and, and been doing some practice over the past year um, uh, in Reiki. So like doing like energy work and then also um, in being a death doula, um, which is, um, yeah, like uh, in the same way that doulas or midwives um, might provide support during birth um, for pregnant people. Um, so making sure that folks feel loved, supported, cared for, um, and um, yeah, just during the birthing process and everything that comes before that, death doulas support folks at the end of, that, mm. of their lives, right? Um, making sure they feel loved, supported, cared for, nourished, nurtured on their um, way out of this life. Um, and so working with like family and like loved ones and the actual like person, um, and uh, yeah, just really guiding, um, guiding them and making sure that they have their wishes met and needs met and all that. Um, and that's just personally reflecting on like a lot of death that I've, heard, I've um, experienced in my life over the past um, uh, two years. Uh, really wanting to do some more work um, for myself around what it means to reckon with death and also be in deeper support to others that were experiencing the same. Uh, so yeah, that's the thing I'm working on and doing a lot of studying around now too. That honestly sounds like really transformative, like really person-centered, right? And like mm -hmm. learning stories, I think that's partially why I I really want to do this podcast is because I just love hearing people's stories and I think I think of like the aging population that mm -hmm. in particular like we discard them in uh in like home or in like elderly homes or mm -hmm. we don't care for them in a certain way. And I just think of like all the richness of the stories that they could tell us. I think in particular, um, like your folks, uh, mm -hmm. the gay community has lost a whole generation of folks to AIDS. Like I often think like the people that are here have a form of knowledge that folks like you and I will never experience or even fully be able to comprehend, but I think the importance of people's stories 
uh, is so important and not just when they're on the way out, as you said. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something powerful for me in that act of service in my mind and the act of care. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. like being able to hold space in a time that we can only talk of in like ifs because we don't know what's beyond. But for you to hold that space and create a space that I'm sure is like full of warmth or something that I'm just really, um, I'm really interested in. And I think that's important work that I haven't heard anyone talk about. So I'm happy that you brought that up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks for, yeah, thanks for um, engaging and yeah, just like your, yeah, your, your presence um, in it. Yeah, I think like everything you said, right, it, it, it's, it's documentation, right, it's like legacy work and like yes. making sure that we don't forget people um, and that they get to also like have like ownership and choice around like, um, uh, yeah, around what they leave behind and the stories that they want to share and um, how they want like to be felt. Um, and, and, and just, it's, it's yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, is, it is transformative. <laughs> and so, um, uh, yeah, folks should, folks should, and, and especially now, I think again in COVID when again, there's like, feels like death is all around us all the time. Um, and um, what would it mean for us to um, uh, to acknowledge it and to, to lean in um, and, um, and, and really just be present um, with it. So that way we don't lose um, the memories, the, the presence of the people. Um, yeah, we get to we get to we get to keep it. We get to honor it every single day. I love that. I wanted to take a moment for you to reflect and think about, <laughs> especially during this time, uh, so much uncertainty, so much death, like so much. Like I'm a little sorry, there's, there's just so much going on, right? <laughs> yes. How do you stay grounded and relax, joy, mm. um, and yeah. just create a space for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that comes through. Um, comes through lots of things, I think. Um, I come through laughter. Like I have people uh, who, you know, I'm in like text chains with or, you know, shit like that. And like a good gift or a meme will just like yeah. <laughs> create all of the black joy that I need in my life. Um, and so just just being um, in, in that practice every day and then like laughter and, and sharing that. Um, 
and uh, dancing. I miss I miss clubs so much, uh, and so I have been just like instead recording myself like dancing like in the mirror, which has been like a really fun practice of like I don't know, just like moving my body and stuff. Right. Um, uh, I've been like uh, going to the woods a bunch, and just like trees are really helpful and healing for me and so just like sitting with trees and laying down outside and like finding sunlight wherever I can and taking walks in the neighborhood um uh dreaming with my husband and just like you know thinking about like babies and houses and podcasts and like you know just like just all the things and so mm -hmm. yeah just doing like lots of dreaming um and then uh and I'm really into Dungeons and Dragons, actually, which I've also been into since I was like very young. And so, um, okay. yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm a total nerd and it's like a, so much fun. Uh, so monthly, I like have a, a Zoom like D&D thing with my cousins uh, and my siblings where we get together and get to be like love that. elves and like fairies and, you know, go on quests to do stuff so it's fun yeah. and have you experienced joy this week yeah I uh think um a friend of mine this is actually the first thing that came to mind uh which is funny uh, a friend of mine sent me uh you know like blue apron like the dinner stuff that people get sent it's like mm -hmm. annoying and like kind of expensive, but a friend of mine sent me a free one um, and I was like, okay. And I made this like bomb ass dinner last night. That was just very good. Mm, <laughs> just, what was it? It was, uh, I don't know. It, it was like this like Spanish, like stir fry kind of situation with um, scallops. Ooh. And I was, and I okay, cooked them interesting. and they were good. And I was um, a little shook. Uh, uh, Darrell does not like scallops, so I made him fish, and that was totally fine and beautiful, and um, I don't know, yeah, so like actually cooking has been, that's been like bringing me joy lately, because I'm like, oh shit, these hands made this, and they're yeah. good. So, <laughs> what about you? you? What's brought oh. you joined last week? This is good, <laughs> yes. Ooh. I think something that's brought me joy within the last week has been spending Valentine's Day mm. with my boo. Mm -hmm. He is very low key um, and is not a Valentine's Day fan at all. Um, he believes it's like a capitalist and consumer holiday, which it is, mm -hmm. but I, also know that uh, within his experiences, like he wasn't always shown that love that he deserved. And mm -hmm. I surprised him and got him a big thing of balloons and just watching oh. his face. Yes. Um, made me so happy. Um, so beautiful. So maybe he likes the holiday just a little bit more. That's right. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think especially in quarantine and COVID right now, like 
it's so important to like just find new and exciting ways to just like find joy and spark that in other people you know I think um another thing that brought me joy and also a lot of reflection was um as you know I'm a big Taylor Swift fan and she is re-releasing her second album Fearless um -hmm. and I can go into a long tangent of why she is (laughs) re-releasing but y'all can find that out on your own um but I was um and she released her first hit called Love Story um and she re-released it and it just gave it took me back to 2008 (laughs) and how I was 17 and feeling all those feelings and I don't know I think there's something really magical about listening to music or being transported to a certain point in your life where I don't necessarily feel all those feelings anymore but it was like very like a pleasant nostalgia and I'm excited to hear what the whole album sounds like in April April 9th yeah (laughs) that's awesome that's great thank you so much for being here before we end uh tell us how can listeners connect and interact with you after today's show yeah totally um so folks can um follow me on instagram that's the place that i am most active um and my instagram name is blair underscore witchy um so blair witchy um, and then uh, check me out on the uh, point on my website, look at tarot stuff, book a reading. I am uh, national, international, I guess, at this point, um, given uh, everything is uh, over the internet, um, uh, but alightbaltimore.com. Um, so alightbaltimore.com, we'll come find you there too. Again, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited that you wanted to come on and hold space with us. I just... I'm so happy that you are someone that is a presence in my life, no matter how far away I am. And I'm just so thankful for you. Mm, Yeah, same, same. Yeah, thank you so much for like inviting me and like, uh, yeah, I feel deeply honored and yeah, deeply grateful to you and all that you're doing in the world that I, I'm stalking you from afar. Like I said, your Instagram is popping. So also um, thank you for that too. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Hey folks, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at endlessinbit between underscore podcast and on Twitter at John O'James4. Until next time, bye!